Hello and welcome to the Multipod and our bonus episode, part one. My name is Vanessa and I'm your host through this bonus episode experience. So in the Puttyverse, we like to do projects together, and one of those projects that has repeated over the years is putty comps. Putty comps equals putty plus compilation, and it's pretty much exactly as it sounds. Basically, we choose a medium, and over the course of a month or so, whoever wants to can submit a work in that medium. It's an opportunity to try something new if you've never worked in this medium before or continue with something that you enjoy. So putty comps number six was our audio extravaganza. Organized by me. (laughs) We discussed as a group what we'd like to do, and some members came up with some amazing questions to guide us in our recordings, and what resulted are fun audio experiments. Some are whimsical, some are serious, some are reflections on being a multipotentialite by the contributors themselves, some are stories, some are goofy. It's just a smorgasbord of amazingness. So, Today, our first submission is by Kat, who has also been involved in the Multipod with me and our other hosts. This is such a lovely little story about a jellyfish named Jerry, who figures out they're a multipotentialite. The guiding questions for this entry was, what are your thoughts on jellyfish? And this was Kat's take on it. So please enjoy. Once upon a time, a jellyfish named Jerry joined the puttyverse. He, she, they had heard that squids, octopuses, and all sorts of unusual marine animals were hanging out together, reveling in their uniqueness and ability to be more putty-like than their vertebrate friends. When Jerry was young, they had been good at so many things and had wanted to continue to do everything that they enjoyed. Over time, though, they bought into the belief that they had to focus and do just one thing in their life. Vertebrate friends and family had congratulated them on making a choice, one that would mark Jerry out as a specialist. Jerry worked hard on this choice, hanging out with other specialists, passing vertebrate exams and obtaining good jobs that they could do as they could turn themselves to anything. But they weren't happy. Jerry felt like a fraud and a failure as everyone else around them seemed to be successful in their chosen life. Jerry was scared that they'd made the wrong choice and that there was no going back. As Jerry looked around their watery home, they felt their life was boring, flat, and that this is what it would be like for the rest of their life. One day, an octopus friend of Jerry's was talking about a fun group of people she hung out with. It all sounded exciting and new, and Jerry suddenly felt enthusiastic, which is something they'd not felt in a very long time. Maybe I'm not a specialist, thought Jerry. Maybe I can be braver in my life and embrace all of me and not just one part. And maybe I can eat both pudding and jello and love them both. It took a while for Jerry to take the plunge, as they were weighed down with others' expectations and their own judgments about who and what Jerry really was. But after thinking long and hard, Jerry took that plunge and joined this group. Wow, what joy, what fun! Jerry was amongst like-minded, like-hearted and like-bodied beings. Jerry was made welcome at every workshop and gathering and felt they were amongst friends. 
Jerry also felt that they could be brave and do anything and still be accepted just as they were. They were gratified to find that they were not alone and that, just by naming themselves a multipod, Jerry could talk to others about this and feel a common bond. And, best of all, Jerry found acceptance within themselves and so lived happily ever after. The end. Our next submission is from Heather. Her guiding question was, when is a time you were brave? She tells a story that you might not want to listen to if you are afraid of heights, or you can listen along and feel the thrill. This is about a time when I was brave. Sometimes you got to be careful about what you say. But sometimes in the moment, you have no idea what you've said is going to come back and bite you in the ass. My husband wanted to go jump off a very high and perfectly good bridge attached to a rubber band. I skipped work to go with him, but hells if I was going over myself. No way. It's not that I'm afraid of heights. I'm just afraid of jumping off a very high and perfectly good bridge attached to a rubber band. But I can at least go support my husband, although I was freaking out that he'd like, you know die. Once there, he was trying to cajole me to try it out. I'd rather jump out of an airplane, I told him. So maybe you can guess where this is going. The whole bungee jumping event happened in September. Maybe it was for his birthday. He was fine, by the way. In January, he put together four days of fun surprise adventures and we had fun doing fun normal stuff. He'd made up a packet for each adventure telling me what to pack or have ready, etc., And this one said, warm clothes, good shoes, a windbreaker. I prepared everything and into the car we go. And off we went, heading north on 101 past Santa Rosa to Cloverdale. I don't think it still even occurred to me what my upcoming fate was as we turned into the Cloverdale airport. Maybe it should have. But, you know, my husband knows I'm afraid of flying. So of course he's not going to do something flight oriented to me. As we pulled up to the building near the runway with its large sign boldly displayed, my heart sank. I think I suddenly and immediately recalled my comment, made so flippantly those months ago. We're going skydiving, he gleefully proclaims, and I'm wondering if I should just go ahead and throw up right there on the tarmac. But he set this up and paid for it already, so I decided to swallow my nausea for now and to try and give it a shot. We went through the requisite video watching and mini training, got geared up, and headed out to the runway. Then we walk up to what I consider to be a tin can with wings, a rattle trap of a plane that had been denuded of seats or any insides to be able to cram in at least several pairs of jumpers and instructors. Our tandem instructors explained how we would exit this not-so-perfectly-good airplane after being hooked into their harness. I'm swallowing my growing terror as we climb in, trying not to squeal loudly as we trundle down the runway to take off. I'm not even sure I'm to the point of real cognitive thought, other than repeating all the instructions in my head over and over and over. My instructor opens the door and I want to cry. He hooks me in and double checks my connections, reminding me to slide my foot out the door and onto the strut. Maybe it was too late at this point, Maybe I was just too numb, or maybe it really was bravery as I put my butt to the edge of this open door, slide my foot out onto the strut, 
I'm trying to ignore the world stretching out below us, and then he's essentially flinging us both out the door. For some reason, I remembered to breathe in through my nose and out my mouth, else your breath just gets stolen from you, and try to put my body in the proper position, but in those few seconds of free fall, I essentially don't remember anything. I do remember my instructor saying he was going to open the chute and to be prepared for a big yank to my body. And sure enough, wow, yes indeed. For the boys, they tell them to arrange their bits out of the way of the harness because that yank can be seriously injurious to those tender parts. I didn't have that issue, but it still hurt. Then, as we went from plummeting to somewhat floating, some cognitive function started returning to my brain. I could look out and down across the landscape, maybe even marvel a little bit. Maybe. However, quickly I noticed such a severe nausea overcoming me, I thought even my vision was darkening. I told my instructor, and he helped me with his knees in the back of my knees to loosen the tightness of the straps around my hips. This did help a great deal. He even let me control the chute a little bit, but I had to give it back because I got too nervous and a little nauseous as the horizon rocked around. And as we came down, he reminded me to put my feet down and run a little bit, but by the time we got down, my legs just didn't work and we sort of slid in for a landing on my butt. He unstrapped me and then he pointed upwards where my husband was still heading down towards us. I think he's unconscious, he said. And sure enough, he was. And unfortunately, his landing was on his face, but fortunately with no real injury. Later, we learned that when those straps yank tight, essentially all of your adrenaline gets caught up in your torso. Apparently, adrenaline is better moderated with access to your entire bloodstream, and most of it being concentrated in the upper body is what caused both of us to become seriously nauseous. The loosening of the straps that we had done in air had helped my body process it better, while his had still been too tight and he had been overwhelmed by it, passing out, groggily waking up to his face in the dirt. It's not something I want to repeat, skydiving. I'm glad that I did it, maybe only partly to be able to say that I did it. I guess it is being brave, quote-unquote, because I really could have said, no, I'm not going to do it, right as we pulled up to the building, right as we geared up, right as we approached the tin can plane. I suppose I could even have said no as we got to that moment maneuvering into place to leap out. But at each moment, I said, yes, I will try, to this moment, to this next moment, and each moment after that until standing on the tarmac again. But to be honest, for all that, I guess I really wouldn't rather jump out of an airplane. Next up, a smackdown between Jell-O and pudding. This is Ingrid's take on the question, do you prefer Jell-O or pudding? And let me tell you, complete with sound effects, it is going to make you laugh. This is the event we've been waiting for. If you're just joining us, welcome to the first annual Snack Cup Smackdown, broadcasting live from the Pfizer, Moderna, J&J, AstraZeneca, Novavax Amphitheater. It's hard to believe we've had to wait 14 long months for this, but I know it's going to be quite a performance from these two dessert powerhouses. 
Oh, yes, Lynn, I know I've been excited to get these two out of my pantry and off my waistline. You can hear the crowd quivering with excitement. It looks like we're getting ready to start. The coaches are parading in. And look at that, both sides seem to be wearing matching Caro tracksuits. Oh, but the real star of the show is Jello. Just look at that shimmer. Oh, yeah, Jello is famous for her amazing costumes, and tonight does not disappoint. Lots of flashy neon colors and shimmering jewels. And don't get me started on those nails. Well, she does claim that her nails are the strongest in the business. We'll see how that fares for her tonight. And now Pudding is making her entrance. Uh, can't say that's quite so impressive, Lynn. Brown, beige, and, uh, is that pistachio? <laughs> we won't be seeing her on the best dressed list, that's for sure. But that boring facade does belie a stout competitor. And that's the opening bell, folks. Let's see how this goes. And just like that, it's Jello that's thrown the first punch. Yes, those fast twitch muscles of hers are incredible. I guess when you're powered by pure corn syrup, you can come out with a bang. Indeed, look at those feet move. The jiggle is absolutely incredible. Oh, Pudding was definitely thrown off balance for a second. She's slower to move for sure. But let's remember that she's powered by milk protein, so she's got some heft. Sure enough, Pudding is back on her feet. It takes a lot to knock her down. And now it's Pudding that throws the punch. Oh, that may have been a mistake. Oh, Jello is so springy that the punch just recoiled back on Pudding. That's got to be a surprise. Pudding does look quite surprised, and now Jello seems to be taunting her, admiring her jewel-covered, collagen-rich nails in the spotlight. Oh, we know, if we know anything, Lynn, that taunting custards is a bad tactic. We saw that strategy fail miserably in the European League when Aspic met Crempat. I'm just shocked that Jello would try it here. Yes, and sure enough, that was enough to gel Pudding's resolve. It looks like she's formulating a new tactic. What's happening now? It seems like Pudding is trying to rile up Jello. Let's see if I can get some audio from the ring. Let's see how quick those feet move. Can't you go faster than that? Can't you go faster than that? How about that victory dance you have planned? What does that look like? <laughs> Lynn, this is absolutely amazing. It looks like she's trying to wear out Jello, and it's working. Jello is running out of steam. She's even starting to yawn. Amazing indeed, but sure enough, when you're made from pure sugar, your victory window is short. Look, she doesn't even have the energy to dodge that punch pudding just launched. She just falling backwards into a quivering heap. She's counting. One, two, three. And that's the match. It's a pity the fight was so short, but we clearly see the victor. Powered by a bit of protein and not just sugar, pudding takes home the prized snack pack award this year. Well, that's it from here. We thank you all for your time. Stay tuned for next week's match, Tacos versus Pizza. It's set to be a messy night, so bring your ponchos.
All right, that's it for part one of this bonus episode. Thanks to everyone who submitted something for this episode. I was truly entertained, and I hope you all, dear listeners, were as well. Stay tuned for part two, and on behalf of everyone on the Multipod team, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.